so uh, is it Stefan or Stefan? Because I keep realizing I'm saying it both ways. Oh uh, no, Stefan. Stefan was fine. That's my fault. French Canadian coming out. Oh, it is absolutely Brent's yeah. fault. Yeah, <laughs> don't. Sorry. No, no, it's just a hundred percent your fault. We already discussed this on in the Lepo show. So. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> Brent. I know. I'm trying my best, but you know, language equals hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. You understand, right? <laughs> Brent gets drunk, he starts talking in French. It's the tea. It gets to me. The tea. <laughs> it's office hours with me, Chris. Brent's here too. Welcome in everybody. Hello. Welcome to the office. Hey, Brent. Hi. Nice in here. You know, I put out a candle. I lit it a good hour before we got in here. That way people think it smells good all the time. Yeah. What's that flavor? I can't quite pinpoint it. It's like this. It's a uh, bacon. Oh yeah. Right. It's the sizzling was missing. So I couldn't quite pinpoint that. I got it from a place called Mandel's. Not far from the studio. Real place. Really sell stuff like that. We got a special show today. We got some problems we're solving. We got big momentum, big projects, big website energy in this episode of Office Hours. So I'm glad you're joining us. And to make things extra special, the star of the show, the man, the legend, the community leader, our website hero, Mr. Stefan is back. Hello, Stefan. Welcome into the office. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. You know, I mean it when I say it. First of all, you've been doing a hero's amount of work on the new website at jupiterbroadcasting.net if people want to see the work in progress. But you've also inspired a lot of community members to get in and start working and just cranking through all this stuff. We really are seeing something come together that I think is pretty special. So I thank you for that, too. I think uh, you led the way on that and, and people followed your lead. So thank you for that, too. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure if I can claim <laughs> that on on me. So I'm I'm happy for the community. I mean, the community is great and pretty smart. I mean, it's really like they know what they're doing and they're coming up with stuff where I really need like a second to process what's happening and so on. So there are like a lot of talented uh, people in the community, but also like um, Kiro is also like doing tons of work and um yeah without him uh, i would be so far behind <laughs> so he's doing a lot of the he did all the content um parsing and so on so that we have the content we can work with and um yeah he's like super consistent and super helpful and it's uh, really been a pleasure working with him also brent it's been pretty great watching the github stats and everything come together. We've had some big developments since our last office hours. Yeah, I was a little astounded because uh, a few days ago, I pulled some of those stats and put them in a little show doc for this show. And this morning I had to update it because it had almost doubled. So in the last 30 days or so, there's like 13 authors who have published 112 commits. <laughs> yeah. Stefan's like, oh man, I just spend all my time looking at, you know, pull requests and stuff these days instead of actually building things which is sort of an interesting problem <laughs> it's an interesting problem to have um it's also like um a, a bit of a, a challenge for me um to do it this way because uh, and this is also something we realized so we went from my mvp project site to the official um, jupiter broadcasting uh, repository and um that like brought a lot of attention to the whole project and um yeah then we realized i mean before it was just brent uh kiro and uh, myself working on that and we had like a good report and e everybody had his own little part of the project so cairo was all the scraping brent a lot with the content and me with the site and the build process itself and so on and now you have like input everywhere in every process and people chiming in and then you you need to make sure that the vision is like upholded but the vision never was clearly defined and i think that was like um yeah i underestimated what we what would change if we make it public so soon and that you need to put out like a lot of information what you want to achieve and what is important for you 
and how people can best contribute because otherwise it's a frustrating experience for everybody who wants to contribute and then I don't have the time to explain something or they're working on something I, I completely didn't intend it because I was unspecific and so on. And so my role changed like a lot or is changing. Yeah, it's really interesting. This is the very first time I, well, two things, A, contribute so deeply to like an open source spirit project, which has been a ton of fun. Uh, but B, of course, also am one of the people who is trying to organize all of this work. Um, so I'm learning a ton. And one of the things now that I'm spending most of my time on before it was, you know, writing content and stuff like that. But now it's just trying to organize things and, and to, you know, we, we have been using the GitHub issues as tickets for features and ideas and like, uh, asking questions and things like that. And, uh, previously, you know, just, just like two or three weeks ago, we were just listing those things and the, you know, the small, tiny group of people who are working on the project understood all of the assumptions. So, you know, a ticket idea might just be make community page and there was no other information. And so we quickly realized that's not helpful to a group of 10 plus, you know, 13 plus people who are working on stuff. So I've uh, it's been interesting that I've had to be much more intentional about what we're trying to achieve on each ticket and define ideas to look at or ask for ideas or even just like here's the vision. And that's been actually super helpful to define what the end goal is. It's been really fascinating, actually, to work with so many people. It's been great. And the suggestions on how to solve certain problems have been equally great, equally great. So thank you to everyone. Yeah. And also, Brent, I must say, I, I think you're doing a stellar job. Oh, thanks. I would not have guessed that this is like your first time managing something like that. And it's really helping me out. I mean, maybe you don't feel that way. Or I don't know, but it's really appreciated and it helps out because and that's like you help out in areas where I'm not so good. <laughs> so it's it's uh, really good. So you don't mind uh, the giant list of uh, assigned tickets I give you in the morning? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I, I manage. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, you are managing. It's been great. But you are right. Uh when we opened it up to the public, we got we got we get people that are working on stuff by the time I go to sleep and by the time I wake up, something's been created. And so, uh we've been feeling like it's probably time to 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 focus because what I realized and I think Brent probably realized pretty recently too is with this road trip we have coming up in September, we really have a hard deadline of getting this done in August. And that means we really probably have to kind of focus on very specific things to get that done. And I feel like I'm only really starting to wrap my head around it now because, well, it's part of the squeaky wheel problem also, but we've been really asking ourselves, what role does the website serve and what will it serve in the future as we kind of start our migration process away from Fireside and we migrate to more of building our own backend infrastructure. And that has sort of meant that there's been times where I've felt like, well, okay, we should do things like generate the RSS feeds from the website. And then there's a time later, I'm like, actually, no, now that I think about it, that's not going to work. We can't do that. And so I've been looking at what do we still have ahead of us and what can we trim? And I'm curious if either one of you have thoughts on on areas that we should probably look at just focusing in on just for the next few weeks. So that way we can make the flip over without losing track of two that we could probably use some more help with design too. Curious on your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, it's uh, true. So um, <laughs> I had a bit of a, no, not a breakdown, but I was getting a bit nervous and I was um, contacting uh, Brent on Sunday and I was like, we can't continue like this. And uh, I realized that was maybe a bit more dramatic than I intended. <laughs> but I just uh, wanted to say that um, exactly what Chris said, um, we need to focus on what we can really achieve in the next three to four weeks because it's not more. And be realistic about it. So I was down with uh, COVID for a week, which was not fun and uh, impacted my productivity. And um, so we really need to be realistic and um, also um, be honest. In we we won't stop when we when we release. So I mean, we we just continue. We just need to know what we need to have uh, to start the transition and then work on it and we're calling it milestone one and i think we 
will in this week clean up um, the tickets a bit and really assign the tickets that will go into milestone one, which we really need for production, and then make a milestone two. And that's like four weeks after going live, what we want to add feature-wise next. And yeah, we really need to hunker down on on milestone one and get that done. Yeah, it's the the final crunch is approaching. And so now it's like, okay, what do we have to have to just get this thing you know, to launch off the ground? Uh, because Scale Engine has very politely been reminding us that their deadline is serious and that they are out of the WordPress hosting business and they'd really like us gone by the end of summer. So <laughs> we got to do it. And I understand. And we do have a few details to figure out on, on like backend hosting stuff and whatnot. Um, but we have a lot of options. So in some ways it feels like that's in not that it's unimportant, but it's not a critical decision. Whereas like, what do we work on? What do we pass for now? That feels a little more critical. And there may be things that, you know, we could, like you said, we just don't need in, in version one or phase one or, or milestone one. And so that includes like the whole process. So I, um, so this multi-site workflow I already created um, so that we can, um, yeah, in the, in the future, not use Fireside anymore, but using Hugo to build everything. Uh, that can like take a bit of a backseat um, because that's not needed like right away. We don't need to replace the fireside sites. And um, so that's like um, a lot of work um, that can be done later. But, and I, I feel like we, we are, feature-wise, we are like there. So we, we could easily, I think, switch over because like the episodes are there. You can use the video player, the audio players in... Uh, also, thanks to Kiro, who implemented the Podverse, Podverse player, right? Yeah. Also, a special shout out that Mitch from the Podverse project has joined, and that has been great, too, to see. And they figured that out by themselves, so I had, like, zero input. <laughs> Kiro needed to explain some stuff to me, <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, it was really, um, yeah, all his work, and, um, yeah, that's working good now. That's a great example. People have swooped in and really helped out. You're right. We are really close. I have like a couple of controversial hot takes just in design wise. Like I actually don't, I don't really want the video player on the episode pages. The reason why we have a video player on the existing JB site is a limitation in the WordPress theme. And if we don't put something there, the page doesn't render properly. So we've just been embedding the video, but we don't really need it. And that Podverse player is so great. That could be front and center or right around that area. But yeah, that kind of stuff. There's a few other notes, but all small stuff. I think you're right. We're close. And we could always iterate on the design too once it's done. And um, so I'm really pleased with like the build times. So every time you commit something, um, the site gets built and then deployed. It sure does. It's incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, it's generating like um, 21,000 sites and deploys it in like under two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. And that's like, GitHub free tier runners and so on. So that's nothing fancy. And I think try doing that with Jekyll or something like that. Then will be like probably 25 minutes or 30 minutes. I mean, it sounds so um, not important, but if you do a lot of changes and do a lot of deployments, you want to, to make it fast. And also uh, like locally, when you do stuff, you want it to be fast. And um, so I, I really like that. Yes, we uh, the chat room is asking, Dan's asking in, the, in our Matrix live chat. Yes, we're using Hugo to generate the site. It just, it sort of worked out to be the perfect tool for the job. I had had it in the back of my mind for years as a possible replacement. But, you know, it gives us something to work with. It's tooling that people can understand. And then the output is just a really nice, flat, fast website, you know. And which is sort of what I feel it's the opposite of what WordPress gives you in a lot. So I also did like um, a lot of WordPress sites in the past, but not like for the last eight years or so, because I I just couldn't stand it anymore. And um, so I really like Hugo because, um, yeah, you, it doesn't need maintenance. It's like super fast. You can't get any faster. And it's like, um, it doesn't need fancy hosting. Has it been much of a barrier for people coming in to work on the project? Have you noticed that? Or are people picking it up pretty easily? All at the same time, I was new to Hugo, new to GitHub, new to Git itself, and kind of new to setting up a development environment locally as well. But even with 
just the very super minimal documentation that you had up on the MVP site a while ago. And it was pretty straightforward to get in there. Now, I did get a like an exclusive tour of how Hugo works, thanks to Stefan. And we spent like, I don't know, three hours or something hanging out doing that. But I, I, I have found that the structure is fairly simple. And it, as long as you understand a few little principles, uh, most of it is fairly readable. And so you know, making modifications, especially to content, has been very straightforward. And that was the whole point, was to make it sort of very markdown friendly, easy for hosts to go in there and change information and and uh, make a few little tweaks. So I found that uh, quite nice. Now, on, I can't speak to like the back end stuff and what's happening there. Other people have, have dove in and it seems fairly friendly. Um, yeah, what, what would interest me is like, um, do you prefer it compared to like a, a WordPress backend, like like a web front end? Do you like the workflow of just using your text editor and doing stuff? I mean, I love it because that's how I do, you know, my own personal notes. That's how I record things in my own knowledge base. I've just got a bunch of text notes in a in Nextcloud or whatever. And so... And I would say we have a dream. Uh, <laughs> we have a dream. dream. Good talk. <laughs> the, sh the show doc is the source of truth one day. And we put everything in the show doc, guest information, links, everything, show description. And we maybe have certain, you know, specific things we put in there to make it clear to anything reading the doc that this is host, this is guest, these are, you know, links. We, we you know, accommodate that. And then you basically feed that to whatever is generating the website and then goes and generates all the feeds and generates all of the posts on YouTube and everywhere else. And one day that's, that's really the dream. And so our workflow would technically be text, although we use HDocs, which is a markdown real-time editor in the web. Uh, but it's just stored as text in the database that we would probably be pulling and then, you know, using one day we're not there, but. Cairo again <laughs> did something in this regard because um, he built this content scraper and it's running now once a day and looks for new episodes and then automatically adds it to the current site. So that's basically basically that. So yeah, it's it's really neat. And um, yeah, I'm I'm super happy how it turned out. But I'm also like I I like that we are using plain Hugo without any Node.js tooling and so on. There was a bit of a discussion in the community. We should use Node.js and so on and so on and more JavaScript. And uh, I am a bit reluctant to adding that. So my idea is keep it as simple as possible. I really like that you just need Hugo as a binary to do everything. Also, like the style sheet compilation and all that stuff is done by Hugo. And you don't need the whole Node.js setup and so on because setting up Node.js can really be annoying, especially if you... You are not experienced in that, so it, it can be rather painful. So we have like in the community peoples from all kinds of backgrounds and I want to make it as easy as possible and saying to them, you just need the Hugo binary and that's it. Makes it like super, super easy to enter. It's approachable, but also we were talking about this with Wes behind the scenes because we like to make sure that Wes has, you know, his input on any of the tech decisions we're making. And For us, the advantage of it just being the Hugo binary, keeping it really simple and not making any node dependencies, is it makes our deployment and server strategy super portable, where we, uh, A, can shop around if we ever need to. Don't know, we might not need to, but it's nice to have that ability. But B, it makes it just a simpler maintenance thing for us long term, right? And so that to us is extremely valuable. Especially considering a lot of the fancier stuff, we could do outside the website and then just put the results on the website. Uh, I'm not necessarily a 100% opposed to doing something that adds a lot of value, but I totally am in agreement with you, Stefan. It's like we, we keep it simple, keep it down to the binary, we keep it portable, we keep it approachable by new developers, and we make it easier for JB to maintain, I mean, 10 years. We've had the current website 10, 11 years in, a, in different iterations. So that's the kind of timeline we could be looking at here. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you you always should consider when you're introducing complexity that the value is there. That's not just complexity for complexity's sake or for like superficial benefits, and that. And all of this is open source, right? So if we keep it simple and we keep it understandable, it's possible. You know, another podcast group could take this work and they could deploy something that meets their needs. And the simpler we keep it the more likely that is to happen too. There's that element. It's not like totally driving every decision, but it's as we do some of this stuff, it's in the back of my mind. 
Yeah, and also that's why I chose like we have this CSS framework called Bulma. I, I chose it because it's like super simple. It is only CSS and HTML component uh, components and has no like JavaScript and anything. Doesn't make any assumptions what you want to use it for, and um, it's just very extensible and very good documented. And it's also like serving us well, I guess, because the community, the people who didn't know Bulma, uh, kind start. To, to liking it <laughs> and yeah it's uh, a good framework how we can introduce new components and so on so that's not like super chaos and yeah better to style yeah so i think that's also good and also like yeah on the design front we have like a lot of stuff still to do and clean it up and so on um, because that's like the least important part or the parts that has not many <laughs> unknowns so it's not like a risky part. You just need to some hours sit yourself there and clean it up. The, the design can be extra tricky too, because like that is something that is, you know, it's touching on the brand identity a bit too. So it's like, we probably want to loop in some JB people on that and that could take time, but we do need the help with the design. It's all up on our GitHub and we do have the matrix chat room as well, where people can collaborate. Reese has recently been jumping in and looking at some of that stuff. There's been some some folks there, but Brent, you have a, probably a better read on it than I do, but it feels like that's still an area where maybe we could use some additional help is design. And if you go to jupiterbroadcasting.net and take a look at it, you probably see some areas that could use some sprucing. Yeah. I mean, the, the episode page itself definitely needs some, some love. So it's just like the, the bare content just here it is. I mean, we, we, we're not winning any awards with that. <laughs> you know, this is version one. I have, um, I've been trying to be pretty diligent about putting design tags on some of the issues that touch on design stuff. And I did just this morning write some pretty clear, maybe guiding tips for what we need those pages to be. Some some thoughts on just like, hey, this could move here, this could move here, like very clear uh, for some of the conversations, Chris, you, you and I and Wes had uh, recently uh, about that. I've also tagged them as like, good first issue because i think someone who has some design uh, background uh, hugo makes it pretty approachable to kind of work on some of that stuff and we've gotten a few people from websites like firstgoodissue.com and stuff like that that have come in and, and had a look and some community members who've kind of bitten on those strategies of mine and it's working so i think we're getting there we could use a little bit more help i think but there's certainly an issue that uh, we can link to that clearly states at least five things that I think need to happen right away as a priority. We could throw that in the notes, eh? Yeah, also I think um, design or web design doesn't scale well with different or with multiple users. So there's like, you need to have like a clear vision and like two, three people really coming up with how they want it to look and then other people to execute. But I think the the design itself doesn't scale well as like a development process of, of code or so. That's like a bit tricky. And I mean, it's like your brand and you must like decide what, what you want, right? So you, you must be happy with, with it. So that's a really good point. Uh, thankfully, you know, I think as a photographer and working with a lot of designers, maybe I'm well suited to at least be a guiding light on that. I can't do the implementations, but certainly I can provide a little bit of guidance. So I'll keep doing that for sure. But we have uh, really good people for implementation, so I'm, <laughs> I'm there, okay. I think I see what you're saying. You're saying get to it. <laughs> yeah. All okay. right. I love it here. I think they they just they they just need to be told or or explained what to do, and then they they can can do it. Um, I have no doubt. Yeah, that touches on something I've been impressed by actually. Um, in the last even two weeks, it's like every time I come up with an idea, because I'm trying to use the J JupiterBroadcasting.net site as my main resource whenever I'm working on our show episodes and stuff like that so that I can see, you know, how does it fit into my usual everyday workflow? And then it's it becomes quickly obvious, like, oh, wait a second, like, I don't want tags first, I want a description or, or hey, there's some hosts missing or something like that. So it's been a great way to just kind of test the site and see some of the features that I kind of wish were there that and some functionality that we currently have on the current website that's maybe missing. So, so that's been great, but um, I've been impressed mostly by how I can just like, you know, of course, late at night, dream up 
features that I wish were there. Like, oh, I'm going to make a ticket for this thing. That would be nice. Oh, I'm going to make another ticket for this other thing that like, I don't know if we could do that, but that would be nice. And it's amazing. Like sometimes then I'll, you know, do an eight hours of sleep and wake up and someone's already done it. And uh, <laughs> there's, it's insane. The, uh, a huge thank you to everybody who's just like picked up some of these random ideas and made them happen in a short amount of time. It's been really impressive. So I think, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't say enough good things about that. Yeah. And it also seems like everybody is like having a good time, having fun, which is also, I think always important. If you, if you work on something in your free time, it should be enjoyable and, um, the people should be nice and they should be good to each other, which they all are because it's like a stellar community. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's, it's work, but it's also like fun. <laughs> I, I've caught Kiro mentioning in our matrix chat a few times that, uh, he's like, ah, oh, geez, I wish I didn't have this day job so I could just keep working on this project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so the best community fun. really. So and good. it's such a, it's such a great demonstration of the value for value stuff that we've been talking about, right? It's not a monetary thing. It's, but it's so immensely valuable. And the website has needed this for so long. Right. Are you now like a bit like, why didn't we do this sooner? Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, it was, you know, there's always so many things to be working on. Not every time we've opened something up to the community has it gone super well because you, we, you know what I think uh, you noticed when we went public with it, how a lot of things changed. That's generally how we st have started a lot of projects in the, in the past is we just boom, start from the very beginning like that. And it just kind of goes in a hundred different directions. <laughs> so I think, You know, this time it had a little bit different of a trajectory because we kind of started it um, low key. And then we started talking about it on office hours. And that's really kind of like, you know, the core JB audience. It's like the JB completionists that are listening to all the shows are catching office hours. So it's a smaller group. And then when we put it on the GitHub and, you know, started the Matrix Room, it just sort of blew up from there. But having that kind of staged growth, I think, helped us get a few key individuals like yourself in and get a few things established before it just went totally haywire. And that was the missing recipe, I think, that made it actually get traction this time. Also, I really think having GitHub involved makes a big difference. Like, we've really debated this in the past. Should we use our own GitLab? Should we use something else? Or should we go on GitHub? And I think it made a difference this time organizing this on GitHub. I think that also helped. So... Because every everybody uh, who works now on the JB side uh, now gets like progression on GitHub and uh, represents and so on. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm always like happy when I see the green dots every day and I think, yeah, I've done something good and everybody sees it. <laughs> That's nice. We're, we're, we're passing around screenshots internally of it, uh, you know, <laughs> watching it. So everybody's watching it. It's great. So I think that's been a factor. And it feels great to actually have this accomplished now because we had to pull it off now. I don't know what we were going to do. Maybe I was just going to throw together some really crappy Hugo site that would have been really bad. I don't know what I would have done. So pretty great. Like I say, it's it's been extremely valuable for us and we're just really grateful. And we got, you know, 13 people now working on that. That's that's not nothing. Well, and in the Matrix room as well, there are more than 30 people discussing ideas and stuff like that. So and some people joining every single day. So I think we're we're. It's trending in a kind of an amazing direction. Um, it's great. I, I don't know at which point I'll be overwhelmed, but I'll let you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> I need help. Yeah, I need help. You, you need can't help. be overwhelmed, Brent. That's all. That's what. What will I do then? You know, I I I need you for being um, overwhelmed. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You just can't. Well, you can. He can. He just can't be overwhelmed at the same time, right? You guys have to alternate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's true. So yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll be overwhelmed at my nighttime. I'll be overwhelmed at your nighttime. That's oh yeah, fine. okay, that's right. also a deal. Right. And, and every every project needs one sane person. So and that's you you're the dedicated sane person on this project. So deal. Do I get a badge? Yep. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be great. We should come up with some swag. That would be really nice for the people involved with the website. We'll we'll circle back to that idea. Well, okay. So we should say if you'd like to participate, if you're listening and, and want to get involved. We'll have links in the show notes to the GitHub page. Uh, there's also the JB website matrix group where sort of the on the ground chat is happening. Is there anything else we should point people to that are hearing and kind of getting curious, maybe want to participate? Uh, I think we, we did set up recently a uh, contributing.md, a uh, little bit of documentation there. It's, it's 
a bunch of ideas collected. But if you're new to the project and you're thinking, oh, how, how is the best way for me to approach uh, getting involved? We've tried to describe it there. So that's a good place to start. Read that. It's not too long. If you have any questions, please just ask me directly or ask anywhere in a ticket or something, and we're happy to help. But um, that is probably the best approach. There you go. Stefan, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you being here and all your hard work, obviously. Thank you. I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to thank Linode for sponsoring Office Hours. They are crazy enough to actually support the shenanigans, if you can believe it. So let's go right now and say hello to Linode together. Let's do it together. Linode.com. And guess what? I got slash Jupiter. You did. You got the whole planet? I got the, and it's a big planet too, Brent. It sure is. Yeah, it's true. Gas giant. You guys know this, but I'm going to tell you just in case you didn't know this, you need to wise up. Linode is the best place to host your stuff. For Linux geeks, for people that are speed hounds, for people that want the absolute best flexibility, the best dashboard, the best support. Linode's model is different than the hyperscalers. They work on locking you in and then just selling you more and more services. Linode has a very straightforward pricing structure that's 30 to 50% cheaper than the major cloud providers that are out there. And you go there, everything's right there. It's upfront. You're not going to get any gotcha surprises on your bill like you do with the hyperscalers. You know what I'm talking about. I've accidentally spent 300 bucks on the boss's credit card once. I learned that one the hard way. Linode doesn't do that. And on top of all of that, they've got great services like a powerful DNS manager, S3 compatible object storage, cloud firewalls, physical servers if you need it, database as a service service, which is actually really great. And then the other thing that's fantastic is just their standard deployment on any rig has all kinds of sensible defaults for things like alerting about bandwidth or storage. You can take snapshots, you can do automatic backups, and it's all super clear and easy to understand too. If you guys can't tell, I'm legitimately a big fan and I think you'll love it too. And what puts it over the top is that hundred bucks. That's Linode coming in with the competence, right? That's Linode coming in saying with a hundred bucks, you're actually going to be able to try anything on our platform that you want. And you're going to be able to try it for a reasonable amount of time to form an actual opinion. That is, that's what that hundred bucks is saying. That's If you think about it, that's a bold statement. They want you to try it and I think you're going to love it. So head over to linode.com slash Jupiter, support this here crazy office hours production. And get yourself a hundred bucks of machines. I mean, I don't know what you want to use it for. You could use it for storage, I suppose. That's technically still using a machine. Linode.com slash Jupiter. Brent, you got to go get yourself over there right now because you know what? That's where I got your node. Hey. I put, I put a node for Brent up on Linode. Why not, right? Why not? We kind of just use it for everything. Really? What, what don't we use it for? There are very few projects that you come up with that doesn't involve Linode, it seems. And we're like with the website, we're thinking about, okay, well, what makes sense to store in the object storage at Linode, right? And it's just S3 compatible object storage. So, I mean, you could run a Minnow server on your own box one day and run it there. I want to mention something. I touched on this earlier, but you made me think about it today. So it's your fault. You're welcome. You sent me a message saying, why are we getting so much spam? What's going on? <laughs> and I would characterize, so what we have is we have a, Brent and I have a shared office hours chat room. And the emails that come into office hours automatically get posted in this chat room. So that way we can both see them. And 95% of what comes in to that inbox is garbage scam marketing. It seems legitimate. Oh, they would pay us. They would pay us. They would absolutely pay us. <laughs> you should see some of the stuff they would pay us to do. And some of it's like, I, I, I read one. I just finally broke down and read one of these emails on Coda Radio this week. <laughs> It, they want us to sneaky link, like this is just one example. They want us to sneaky link to gambling websites and put posts on our page that encourage people to click on for real money gambling, as they put it. And then because they recognize this is like such a sketch business to be involved in, they're willing to pay us a premium to do it. And they say this in the, in, the, in the introduction email. Yeah, I read that one. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and this, they're all like this, right? So I want you guys to understand that this is a pervasive problem because office hours, it's not a big show, right? It's, it does all right. It does better than the average podcast, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a big show and we're it's getting like the this. niche of a niche of a niche. It's a show we're making for people who like Jupiter broadcasting. We just basically don't give any F's. Although I am thinking about maybe changing the name, but anyways, I'll come back to that. <laughs> I like the name, but like, so does everybody else. Uh, every other podcast out there, but we're getting this kind of stuff as a small show. 
And so you can only imagine how it scales up if you've got any kind of reach and how the offers get more and more tempting if you have any kind of reach. And this, in a nutshell, is why nearly all tech media sucks. Not all of it. You know, there's definitely people out there that do it right. Some of our friends do it right. But in the Linux niche specifically, it's really, really bad. And this has a side effect of misinforming the community a lot. So there's a Linux project out there right now. In my opinion, based on research and background conversations I've had, is like 90% hot air. But they really know how the tech press works. They know the big secret that I'm going to tell you about. They already know it because they've been around for a while. At least the person running it has. And the big secret in the tech press is that the reader or the listener or viewer, depending on what your medium is, the listener, the viewer, the reader, they are not the customer. When you go to like a ZDNet or an Ars Technica or a register, you're not the customer. You guys all know this. You've heard it a million times. If you're not paying for it, you're the product. The tech industry is the customer, specifically the advertisers that exist in the tech industry. But you got to be friendly with the entire tech industry for those advertisers to be friendly with you because it's all about access. And as long as the Linux press and tech press in general make money via ads, they're just never going to serve the reader as the customer. It's their business model. It's not nefarious. It's not evil. It's the business model. It's simple as that. The reader is not the customer. The listener is not the customer. The viewer is not the customer. It's as simple as that. I can't, I've been, I have been doing online media for 15 years. I have been making it my primary way to make a living for nearly 13 of those 15 years. So I have some standing here. I'm telling you, you're not the customer. It's unfortunate because what it means is that they're more inclined to print puff pieces about a project or a company that probably didn't really earn that coverage. They're less critical because they want to maintain their access. They want to maintain their network because they live and die on their access to information in these companies. And they just do business as a standard practice this way. They don't do it to deceive you. There's nothing evil about it. It's just the business model. And because their paychecks depend on things working this way, I don't think they think about it that much. So you'll see nothing but puff article articles for companies like SolarWinds or Linux projects that are trying to break into the enterprise that really haven't delivered on anything yet. So this is why I go on all the time about membership programs and boosts. Because membership programs and boosts keep Jupiter Broadcasting's audience the customer. And it's my job, I feel, as the editor-in-chief of JB, to make sure that the audience always remains our largest customer. So that's why I think boosts come in. That's where I think membership comes in. It gives you the confidence to know that the audience is our customer. Now, of course, I know that I ha the audience has to be the customer because that's ultimately who's going to hold us responsible. I know that personally. But it matters that that's how the business sees things too, right? You understand like long-term, the way incentives work, it's necessary that the business also recognize the audience as the primary customer. So that's why I feel like boosts are really significant for podcasting because a lot of podcasters don't have the infrastructure or the numbers or the skill or the know-how how to do advertising. Thus, that's not really an option for them. But even if they could get advertising, most of them don't know how to do it right. They don't know how to do the reads right. They don't know how to set up relationships right. They don't know how to build boundaries. It's very difficult. It's a very pervasive industry. It constantly is pushing on your, on your, on your line. And you have to have a skill set to push back to while maintaining a friendly relationship. It's a very hard thing to do. And with YouTube, that problem is slightly alleviated by the monetization platform that YouTube offers. But the issue there is it incentivizes you to be a slave to an algorithm that makes content that's horrible, right? But with Boost, there's no algorithm. There's no Google auction happening in the background to sell a mattress ad. It's the audience directly sending value to the podcast. And value for value is the only way to solve this problem at scale on the internet for small creators, large creators, for small free software projects and big software projects. It is a fundamental shift 
in how the business, the project, the creators are incentivized. So, with that said, let's get into some of these boosts because we do have some great boosts. And I know that was a really big buildup, Brent, but I felt like it was important to get that out there because I think people might be missing the message and the noise with everything going on right now. And we do occasionally get people who, um, and we're listening, who challenge why we're doing boosts, why we're dedicating, you know, such a large time slot in some of the shows for reading boosts. And I think you mentioned something that I think is worth mentioning here, which is that often in the boosts, some ideas and projects and like tools and things get mentioned that we would have never had a chance to talk about. And it gives us a little, you know, a chance to just mention them quickly here and explore them and and add to our sort of toolbox, which is really amazing too, and and share that in a really nice way. So I know it's had a ton of value for you, even just seeing the boosts come in on a daily basis, but in terms of like a utility for us as well. I mean, we've gotten a bunch of great tips from the boosts. So thanks to everybody there. Yeah. And the other thing that they've they've been doing, which we didn't expect, is they've been keeping us on our toes about following up on items that we bring up on the show. The audience remembers and asks us about it. And we always have every intention of following up on stuff, but we just got a lot going on. We forget, you know, we're working on the next show. We forget what we talked about the week before. And the boosts have been a great way to kind of keep those threads alive and interject questions or discussion or criticism that we wouldn't have otherwise brought into the show, right? So they're great from that standpoint as well. All right, well, let's do it. And now it is time for the boost. So Gene being boosted in seven days ago with a big old boost, 30,000 sats. I'm a back home baller. If I want something, I just holler. Uh, he said, would a desktop OS on a powerful server setup in another room with maybe some sort of thing client in the office, would that work with horsepower combined with silence? You could do like the random desktopy things in VMs or LXC to keep it isolated from the production grade stuff. RHEL or Alma Linux 9 and its super long lifestyle could provide you a stable, slow moving base for the system. With things like OBS officially having flatback support, you could really probably load whatever is needed. And he says, P.S. I updated my boost from 10,000 sats, which is about $2.20, to 30,000 sats, which is about $6.60, to help Brent with his travel fund. Oh. That's nice. I really like that. That is nice because we have some fun projects we want to work on. We want to get Brent down here before the September road trip and bang those things out. And so that is very helpful. We started a project list, which is always a dangerous thing for us. <laughs> I like the idea. Um, I I toyed around with something like this over the network years ago where I put a powerful box in one room and then just dumb clients throughout the house. It does work pretty well. I don't think it's the right setup here because there are times where we're actually physically needing to plug things and unplug things from the back of the boxes, especially with USB interfaces and cameras. What is, I'd love to do a project like that. I, I think that'd be so much fun. Awesome. Matt boosted in seven days ago with 9,538. Sent it in a couple of times. So I just combined them just by putting some parts together. I came up with something that looks like this might fit your needs. He's talking about our replacement OBS rig. Relatively small and quiet, 5th gen Ryzen for under $900. It has Intel Wi-Fi, so everything should be compatible. And, of course, you could just tweak it based on your needs. And what, what Awesome Matt did is he included a PC part builder link. So, <laughs> so great. It's like all the parts right here. <laughs> it's actually a, a kick-butt box. It comes out at like 960 bucks, But I, seeing this makes me feel like, yeah, we probably could. We probably would be okay with a DIY PC again. In the back of my mind, I was like, a Thalia would be awesome. Under 960 bucks, that's a hard price to beat these days. I know you bought the current one, I think, with some of your Bitcoin back in the day. Do you remember what it was sort of equivalent worth back then? I think they were, all the machines we bought were right, and we bought like identical machines. I think they were all like right around eight, 900 bucks. They were kind of in that price range. One of them, I think we put extra disc in, so that one was slightly more expensive. But yeah, you know, I was looking back at it. It was a cheap time to buy machines compared to some of the prices. Some of them. Double boost from Awesome Matt. 1,569 sats and just says, love y'all too. Because I mentioned he's awesome. Because he is awesome. Of course, it's it's in the name, I suppose. We got a boost from uh, Delian seven days ago. 3,500 sats. Or Dylan, I suppose. Dylan. 
Because I really appreciated the discussion about podcast production. I've been making my own show casually for a few years to a small audience, and I recently switched to value for value. Question, what are you using for soundboard during the boost segment? It's a good question. So we've used a couple of different apps over the years. There is uh, SoundDux, D-U-X for Linux, which I like a lot. And then on the Mac, Fargo, F-A-R-R-G-O, I think. F-A-R-R-A-G-O, I think. And that's a pretty good app for the Mac as well. And uh, I think you'll, uh, either way you go, you'll like it. Just uh, don't go crazy like I do. It'll, it'll drive people crazy. I think also part of what he's asking here is, where'd you get the clips that you're using? Oh, you think so? I think maybe. I would I would be asking that as a follow-up anyways. Well, here you go. I'm asking as a follow-up. Those, you know, it, it depends. Like sometimes I see a boost come in and I'm inspired to go grab a soundboard bite for that boost right then and there. And I just have to track it down. Some of them came from uh, the podcast index guys. They have like a, uh, on their GitHub, they have like a bunch of uh, boost sound clips you can use. And then others are just ones I've collected over the years. I mean, I have, uh, I don't know, something, something like 40 different soundboards. There's one you grabbed recently from, I think it was like a show you were watching or a news piece. And it's my favorite so far. Can you give us a taste? Coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, I got that from a news report. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was, no, it, was a, it, was, it wasn't a news report. It was a, a YouTube car channel. That's what it was. And it was this super broken down, dilapidated car that they had jacked up and put a massive engine in with, you know, the intakes out of the hood and everything <laughs> like that. So it's just this junker, this total junker. I don't know. Something about it I love, though. I can't help it. Uh, we, we got a double boost from Dylan. 3,500 sats. Double boost, tell me if I'm crazy, but I previously produced my show using Mumble with multi-track recording output and then painstakingly edited the resulting tracks in Audacity. Now, I just record live and I edit nothing similar to a Twitch or really a video on demand stream. My co-hosts are in a Jitsi Me room recording and streaming at the same time with OBS using my desktop PC running Manjaro. Smart move or reckless? Oh, I like this. This might be a series. That is a good that is a good series. You know, I always like going a little reckless. I always do. Uh it keeps it fun and uh, you don't want it to get boring. I think you went overboard. I think I think where you went wrong, Dylan, in the past is you went overboard. Like we have a mumble room here right now. Hey mumble room. Hi guys. Hello. Hey, hey. Hey. And they're hanging out with us. They get a low latency Opus stream, but we have never done the individual track recording. Simply because of the work overhead, right? Each member in the mumble room would become a track. And so if you've got four, 20, 30 people in there, that's four, 20, 30 tracks. That's crazy. So we do mix the mumble down to a single track, but then each one of our individual hosts is also their own individual track. Ultimately, you can make it sound significantly better. There's just no if, ands, or buts about it. Brent's voice is different than my voice and our voices. And just the way we're recorded are different than the mumble room. And so each one of them needs their own EQ, needs their own touch with the compressor. It needs its own Passover. Each one has its own unique background noise. So really, you do need to process them separately for really, really great audio. That being said, go check out JupyterTube. Tell me what you think. And then go compare it to the release version of this show. Office Hours 8 will come out on Friday once Drew is done with it. And you can compare Office Hours 8 to the peer to release and you can kind of get an idea of what the difference between live to tape is versus uh fully edited and i think you'll agree the fully edited is going to sound better it's going to be better paced it's going to be a little more refined the the fully you know live mix version isn't necessarily unwatchable or unlistenable so it's just kind of depending on your on your audience too and then lastly what is sustainable for you right like none of it really matters if the other way was just burning you out and you weren't going to be able to keep it going. And now you've found a way where you can keep it going. And so the show goes on. Like, ultimately, that's what really matters, right? So I don't think it's reckless. I think if that is the case, then I think it was probably a smart move. But don't be afraid to experiment. And uh, feel free to use our show, this very episode, as an A-B. Because I think that'd be a good little test. Get a sense. Our first row of ducks comes in this week from the Golden Dragon, as always. I'm a duck. D-U-K duck. Loaded with talent. And he's got a question to you with 2,222 sats. Brent, what strategies did you use to learn coding? And what have you, like say when learning Hugo, 
And what have you learned? Uh, I'm trying to learn some dev stuff and I'm looking for strategies to start coding. Side note, I love that I'm basically following the journey of the Golden Dragon uh, and his learning development skills across multiple shows as he boosts into like coder and office hours. I feel like I'm learning more about him every time. <laughs> so what have you found useful, Brent, when you're trying to pick all this stuff up and you've been trying to pick it up quick too? The question was posed in past tense. What strategies did you learn? You know, did you use to learn coding? And I think actually I'm probably more likely in the same bolt as the golden dragon is I'm just on the very tip of learning. So I think the number one thing for me was, and I learned this from Tim Ferriss, of all people, is the concept of being very careful what you learn. Uh, it's more important to learn the right thing than it is to learn a bunch of wrong stuff. If you want to learn Python, for instance, there's about like 100,000 videos on YouTube about learning Python, which is actually not that helpful. And it's too bad that there are so many, uh, I got to say. So I before even diving into any of it, just looked at, I guess, trying to determine who had quality and recency and who was getting down to like the very essentials of what someone needs to learn at first, instead of just like, here's how to do all the things. And I don't really know if it's the best way or it's the, the right way to learn it quickly. Be very discerning, I guess, is all of that boiled down to a few words. And so there's, there's one gentleman... I think his YouTube channel is Heck with Tim. I think he works at Microsoft working on, hmm, I forget now, but one of their projects. He is super no fluff, but very complete in his explanations. And it's like, okay, here's everything you need to know for like stage one compressed into like a 30 minute video with chapters, which is such a helpful thing when you're trying to learn. It's like, oh, I'm trying to learn about you know, Python's functions. Well, maybe you got to listen to it three or four times. So, so that's what I would say. Number one, be super discerning about where you learn. So my first research part was like, where are people learning successfully? Because I don't want to go learn somewhere unsuccessfully. It's a total waste of my time. I have like a hundred other things I want to be doing. And so that was super important to me. The other thing is like, try to find some folks that, you know, or in the community, the JB community, even just to recommend some things like some of the back channel conversations I've had with Wes have been fascinating. So I've been like, oh, Wes, I'm just kind of like learning this thing, but I'm struggling a little bit. Do you have any like tips or tricks? And he's like, yeah, here's four other things you could look at that are like progressions in your learning. So having like a soft mentor like that is actually super nice, too. Uh, so those are two things I think I would recommend very strongly is Careful where you learn and go find someone who can really give you that, those shortcuts. I think you just did. I, I think you just did, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Very Re good. Recursive. Cospelin boosted in seven days ago with 3,690 sats. Boost. Whoa. This is the first Office Hours I've ever listened to. There's a lot more in this show than I thought. <laughs> I'd like to make a joke, though, and I'd like to say... This show sounds like a podcasting 2.1-RC1 boardroom, which he thinks is great. Uh, a note about the ads. He says, I don't mind it when the podcast inserts the ads, but the dynamic ads, no good. Thanks for the show. We totally are following. I mean, we don't follow nearly the podcasting 2.0 development stuff that obviously the podcasting 2.0 show does. I mean, how could we? But I feel like we're giving it a bit of coverage from a boots on the ground podcaster who is trying to figure out how to implement this stuff into his business. And I kind of look at it as a competitive advantage as well. Like, you know, not like it's a bad competitive, but if we can, if our shows can have more features that give you things like chapters and transcripts and more host information and higher, higher context and all that kind of stuff, that's great. Right. Why wouldn't we want that stuff? And I've always kind of wanted to have the premium feature set for our shows. So I'm following the podcasting to stuff from kind of that perspective and uh, recognizing the shortcomings in the podcast industry, recognizing the opportunities we've missed with mobile apps and the opportunities that we've missed by constantly, constantly encouraging people to do things outside the podcast app, which has been detrimental to our growth in the long term. Um, and all that stuff. And so I follow it for that purpose. And the guys invited me on the podcasting 2.0 show 
this week. So they will they'll have an episode out on Friday when we do. And uh, go check that. I'll, if all things go as planned, I'll be on that this week's episode. So I'll share some of my thoughts there. Next cause. Optimus Gray boosts in with a real doozy six days ago with 22,222 sats. How about that for a row of ducks? Thank you very much. And here's something for your trouble. That's a big old granddaddy duck. He says, for us Jupiter party members, could I ask for possibly a new feed? If the lightning and boost support is going to take a while, could we have a separate feed of just the bonus content, like the uh, you know the post show for self hosted, uh, the coderly, and the non uh, the non like live stuff that goes out into the member feeds? Hmm. Uh, so then we could subscribe to the normal feeds and boost like we always do, but then also still get to enjoy the bonus content. Hope to see you all at the West Coast meetup. That's a good idea. I know that's interesting. Just a bonus content feed, so you can subscribe to all the regular feeds. And then just have one feed that's just the special stuff we create for the members. How did I never think of that before? We might actually be able to do that quickly. I got to figure out the plumbing, but that seems like something I should have thought of. So thanks, Optimus. <laughs> Those ducks are powerful. <laughs> Those are good ducks. Uh, Dave Jones, our buddy Dave Jones, speaking of podcasting 2.0, boosted in two days ago with 2,112 sats. B-O-O-S-T. He says, Alex Gates is the real deal. He's the smartest developer I ever met. Shout out to Alex. He was on the uh, show last week. And uh, uh, that's, I say high praise from Dave. High praise from Dave there, Alex. That's pretty good. Oh, a guy won, boosted in seven days ago. Boost. Yes, I am still listening because we took time off. I thought, I thought maybe nobody was listening anymore. You know, I thought, I don't know. <laughs> A new show, relatively small show, goes off off the air for almost a month. I thought oh, nobody's listening anymore, but oh, a guy was, and then we got a double boost from oh, a guy seven days ago, two hundred and twenty-two sats, baby ducks, double boost. I've seen a variety of knuck-like boxes with AMD Ryzen APUs. I feel like there's something in there for an OBS machine. Maybe something you're looking for. I think he's right. Interesting. Those would be well. They're not fanless, or are they fanless? I'm always looking for fanless, but... Why do you think they're not? I don't think the Nucks are. Although they, they might be quiet. But if they were super quiet, yeah, yeah that'd be fine. Uh, Birdad0234 boosted in with 420 sats. Coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> in regards to a bulletproof peer tube setup, maybe build a beefy server and have it be the main aggregator of all the streams using something like Teleport, Restream, Restream or NDI. Uh, that way, the endpoints are flexible, and the final output is only an appliance you need to worry about. Woo! He says he'll send in more feedback via email with more deets. Well, that's that's pretty great. That's pretty great. And then, speaking again of podcasting 2.0, the podfather, Adam Curry, boosts in with 10,000 sats. Because I'm a back-home baller. If I want something, I just holler. And this is a little bit of brilliance. This, <laughs> we got to take a moment. To make space in the show, because what the Podfather has realized, I think, is genius. Mm -hmm. He says Spotify is the shitcoin of podcasting, and I think he's right because it's hot. Spotify, highly centralized, implementing proprietary standards, going to build and build, i.e., pump and pump and pump until they realize there's nothing really behind it. There's no money to be had here, and then it will pop and collapse down to some like really crappy product. Whereas Bitcoin, decentralized, there is no central authority. There's no Satoshi Nakamoto anymore. He's gone. It's an open protocol. It's been online for 13 years, widely distributed all over the internet, completely decentralized, tens of thousands of nodes. I think he's right. It's the open standard. I love it. That right there is some genius. That's what that was, Podfather. I was, <laughs> I when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. That's so brilliant. All right. We got another baller boost, and this one was a moment for me. This one came from someone who uh, I hear on other podcasts boosting all the time. So it was special because I, I feel a real community is building here uh, in the boosts, and we're watching it happen across multiple shows. The Dreb Scott boosted in three days ago with 33,333 sats. Because I'm a back home baller. 
If I want something, I just holler. I'm a duck. D-U-K duck. Loaded with talent. I'm giving that a special duck status, too. I don't know why, but I feel like it. He said, I heard about you guys while listening to podcasting to and Dave mentioned you guys interviewed Alex Gates. Uh, I came over to hear Alex and ended up subscribing. Enjoy the show. Boost! You know what? You get a special boost. Boost! There you go. I believe that's a Fletcher special. Dreb Scott, thank you. I was nice. I felt like I just got boosted from a boosting celebrity over there. I got, you know, I was like a little like, oh, Dreb Scott boosted the show. <laughs> nice. It's funny. Like these, it's it's a really neat community because I listen to other podcasts and I hear these individuals boosting in. And Dreb helps with uh, podcasting two chapters. He helps do their community chapters. So great. Uh, our last big boost of the week came in from this is a great name, Lord of Bites. Three days ago, twenty thousand four hundred and eighty sats. Coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> First of all, let me say you're the best podcast group out there. I've been trying to get into Linux for ten years. Every time I start to play with Linux. I lose interest in a couple of months. It wasn't until I found you all that I really started getting into Linux. Your shows in the community keep me inspired every day to learn something new in Linux. I also love that I'm getting involved in my first open source project, helping out with a new website. Keep up the amazing work. Yeah, I was just going to say, Lord of Bytes have been um, sharing a whole bunch of great insights and stuff and uh, working hard. So thank you. We love you. Value for value in multiple ways there, Lord of Bytes. Thank you. How incredible. Really good to see. Oh, to bring a tear to me. I and then uh, we do have a couple of thank you boosts that I wanted to get out there. We got 500 sats from Al Carney pointed out that you know maybe the Linux Foundation being on Spotify not so bad. Maybe it'll bring in new listeners and new users to Linux. I remain skeptical, but that was their boost. 450 sats from a listener letting us know, yeah, I am still out here too. And then 30. 30 sats. That's right. 3,030 sats from Marcel, another V for V legend. Says he's still listening. Thanks for the show. And he liked our fake mattress ad. <laughs> That's great. That is great. I want to say thank you to the Mumble Room for joining us live. You guys um, are fantastic. We chat a lot in the pre and post show. Um, maybe, you know what? We ought to do like an open Q&A episode. Get some questions ahead of time. Let the mumble room ask questions because that's part of the idea of office hours is people might want to know what's going on, have input, something like that. So maybe we plan to do that in the next episode, if I remember. So get your mumble client ready because you can pop in and you can ask us questions or get clarifications. We have details at linuxunplugged.com slash mumble. We'll probably eventually have a mumble page on the new website, right? That seems like it's, a good It's idea. on my personal to-do list. We were Someone asked me today, they're like, are you working on this? Should I work on this or are you working on this? I was like, no, no, I'll do Soon, it. Soon then. Soon. That'll be great. Meanwhile, you're going to be hanging out there at Alex's pad, watching the place for him while uh, he gets ready for the London meetup on the 5th at 6 p.m. local time. That's so true. That's getting really close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And then we have a big batch of West Coast meetups. The Times and like the general vicinities are now all posted at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Then we're going to ultimately end up at JPL. By the time we do the next episode, we should have the form available. We're going to do an audience lottery. We'll have, I think what we're going to do is a NextCloud form that you can fill out, and then we'll use a tool to randomize the results. We'll pull a list of primary winners and secondary winners, so that way if people know show, we have backup lists we can call on and stuff like that. We'll have details on the GPL lottery soon. Um, we're just trying to figure out a fair way to do it, so that way we can get about you know 15 JB, 20 JB community members inside the Jet Propulsion Laboratory for a very special tour from Tim Canham, the operations lead, I believe, of the uh, Mars Linux copter at JPL. Very excited about that. And on the way down to JPL and on the way back up, we'll be doing multiple meetups and all the details are at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Up first, those that London meetup, then the West Coast tours will be coming up. I think that's everything, Brett. You feel like that's everything? That's a pretty good show, I think. Yeah. I guess we should fun. say if you'd like to if you'd like to send a boost in, you could go to newpodcastapps.com and I've been loving Fountain. I'll put my referral link in the show notes. I, I don't know if it gets me anything anymore, but it might make it so you can follow me and then see the clips I publish. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes for Fountain. Podverse is really great too. Uh, and you're gonna see that embedded on our new website very soon. Very excited about that. And then, of course, there's a whole bunch of apps like Boost CLI, 
uh, Breeze. So you don't, if you don't want to switch podcast apps, that's all at newpodcastapps.com. You can send a boost in that way. You can send us an email. If you go to officehours.hair, we have a contact form over there. We also have our RSS feed so you can subscribe. And then we do the show live on Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern over at jupiter.tube. We publish on Fridays, but we do the show live on Tuesdays. Every fortnight, right? Not every Tuesday, but every fortnight. Thank you. Every fortnight. It's just jupiter.tube for all that stuff, where you can also watch the archive. Do we have a calendar? It is on the calendar. You're right. Jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We got a calendar on the new site too, right? It's just it, the same thing. It, so far, it's just the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, it works. Uh, it's not beautiful, but it works. You know, what's funny is uh, Stefan was going to join us here for this office hours, and he and I were like sitting there and trying to figure out like time zones. He's like, when's the show live? He's like, oh, you're in like, I think plus 10 from my time zone, but I'm in a different time zone now, and JB's one behind my usual. So I was trying to do all the math, <laughs> and then we were like, oh, wait, we have a calendar, calendar for page. this. <laughs> <laughs> I forget it too. I forget it too, but it does convert to your local time zone. I mean, we invested millions of dollars in those time zone robots. Oh yeah, that's the AI that we have in our site. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't caught Brent's recent brunches, they are now posted at Xers.show. Some great conversations over there, so go check those out. All right, that's everything. Get out of here. It's my office. You're just visiting. I appreciate you, but you gotta go. Thanks for coming. See you next time. <laughs>